Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin' Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kevin. This is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Before we get to this week's guest, normally I do this in a pre-intro or some sort of commercial, but I am going to shill right now. Make sure you come out to Atomic City Comics on March 26, 2017 from 2 to 4. Us, Doom Thugs, we're going to be live, doing live podcasting. I have some great guests. I have Brian Gray. He's a nerd rocker who's going to come out and play some nerd music for us. And we have the one, the only, the mightiest Avenger Thor is going to be there. It's going to be so much fun. Again, Atomic City Comics on South Street. South Street's been really kind to us, so make sure you come check us out. Uh, and it's going to be so much fun. Now, this week's guest. This week's guest is actually someone that I wanted to try to get on uh, before we officially joined Quartem Parts. Uh, it just it, I'm a big fan of like sh- kind of like some sort of structure and storytelling and whatnot and like it would have been a good story however the there was just a lot of you know i think we're approaching episode 50 when we were joining the network and there was just a lot of going on it all kind of happened real quick and i'm really excited to talk to our guest this week because uh something that i tried to do probably for about nine years which was start a podcast network never took off uh someone else did it and i think that's great because i don't know how to do it and we're going to find out about that, I think, today. Please welcome to the show uh, the founder of Core Temp Arts, Carly, did not, uh, as usual on this show, verify how to pronounce your last name. So, Carly B. <laughs> Hi, Kev. Thanks for having me. That was a lovely intro. Thanks. No, no, I try to, uh, you know, do the Kevin Smith approach of intros. And when he used to do um, his ver- the, fa- the version of Fat Man on Batman, where it was him literally just talking about Batman for an hour with a guest, mm-hmm. he had like, it was probably a solid, I can't, I think I've done it once, uh, but he had like a solid five minute intro for everybody. Wow. That's, um, that's impressive. I don't think you can have five minutes on me. I'm I'm not that interesting. <laughs> I don't even know what well, I'm doing on this show. <laughs> well, and see, that's actually, you know, part the 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 my at least my point of the show is is not to like I never take notes and and that's something that I mean is probably very evident by, mm-hmm. uh, to my audience. Uh, I, I whatever audience that is, I don't even I I'm see I'm a terrible podcaster because <laughs> I doubt that. I I don't no, I mean I'm good at talking. That's that's a given. But I like when it comes to like the business side of it, like, you know, self-marketing and which I've always been terrible at, but like keeping it with numbers, that was like Kev of yesteryear. That was Kev of eight years of podcasting. Right. Uh, and with this show, with everything is awesome. Like I, my whole approach is like, ah, whatever. Like I don't care. <laughs> and like, I look at the numbers at the end of the month just to see if we're trending up. And other than that, like, I really don't like and I don't even care if we do. Like, it's just like, yeah, that's nice. Um, 
it's I don't know. It's the it, it makes podcasting a whole lot more fun and fulfilling. Yes, I agree. I agree. I don't look at my numbers or our numbers at all either. Um, the service that I use sends me an like an email every Sunday, but I, I check those out and then I just kind of keep it moving because I feel like it's kind of like watching a. a a water boil you know what i mean like yeah. waiting for a pot to boil where mm-hmm. it's kind of like you'll just drive yourself crazy trying to see you know the the incremental um increase in your numbers it's just whatever that's not what i'm doing it for i'm doing it for the interaction i'm doing it for yeah. like meeting yeah. cool people like you and i'm doing it yeah. for just you know whatever because it's fun yeah and like and this something that i've been trying to do i mean I've been in the game for like 10 years. Like this June will be 10 year, my 10th year of uh, podcasting. And I would say October of, of that first year of mine, we did a live show. Like we were doing live podcasting before it was a thing. And, um, and and I say that I did it once. Like I, I shouldn't really tout it. Like I was like the innovator of it, but, um, that's like my thing now is like, Live podcasting is such like an at least in uh, where are you from? I'm from New York. Okay, you're from so you're the one that's from New York. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so New York is is you know I would imagine uh, just based off of, like some of the people I know up there that are in podcasting like New York City and L A and Chicago like they all seem like podcasting cities like where you can get away with having mainstream podcasters that do their shows live on a somewhat regular basis. Right. Um, but like Philly and like, I say that I, I got, I, I had James D'Amato from uh, the one shot podcast on, and, uh, we had a little like joking pissing contest about which city was better, uh, with podcasting. But like, I, and like, I know we're probably the Philadelphia is not the podcasting capital of the world yet, but yes. like, we have such like an, a great indie, um, just artists uh environment here in philly like you know that that includes more than just podcasters but i think it's nuts that we have a a a four-day podcast festival across two weekends with over 30 shows like that that i don't see any other festival doing that and that's like the thing that like that needs to get showcased more and that's like kind of my driving goal now that i'm in my second year what i'm calling my my year two like i rebooted podcasting for me last year and like my year two is like Let's just get Philly or, or just live podcasting in general for yeah. these like us indie guys. Let's do it live. Let's like get more people on us. I mean, that's and that's an amazing goal. And I think that for us indie indie guys, that's that's the thing to kind of find something that kind of uh, that's something that will bring people uh, to podcasting. You know, we don't have the name yet, like the mm. like the Kevin Smiths or the Chris Hardwicks and things like that. But we can have other things there and doing live shows is, is a great first step. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, if you can find a way to like make your show different or at least work for, for a live audience, cause it's two different beasts doing the show that I'm doing right now with you right. is much different than me doing this show live. Like it's, I can't do like this show doesn't no offense to you with any guests. I could have stone cold Steve Austin on and me for me to sit around for an hour talking to him probably isn't going to be very entertaining unless you're like a hardcore wrestling fan. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so so you ha- like if you can find a way to ad- adapt to that live setting and like I was very fortunate to kind of come up in like the era of stick cam. Did, do, do you remember stick cam or ever hear stick cam? No. 
Okay, so stick cam started right around 2006, if I remember correctly, and it was it was basically the YouTube of live streaming. It was around like you know UStream was around, Blog TV was around, and um, YouTube wasn't streaming yet. Uh, Facebook wasn't streaming. They, they, there was really limited options for video streaming, and they were like the number one market while they were around. And you know, I that's how I came up with all my podcasts was was doing them live, and and my mindset has always been as a live personality because once once you do it once you do it on a, a streaming service it's out there, so like why edit? So like that's my carefree personality of like not not preparing <laughs> for interviews and and not not really caring if I leave the uhs and ums in, right. uh, all comes from from live and and. You know, it's, I think it's a, a great, you know, last September, I challenged, I challenged people to do a podcast for International Podcast Day. Yeah. And like, I think this year, the challenge is if you are a podcaster, like do it live, like find a way to do it live because it's such a cool experience. It would be cool. I, I've, you know, I'm someone that came kind of, I, I grew up doing live theater um, okay. and doing that. And I felt fairly comfortable with it, but I don't, I can't even wrap my head around me doing a live podcast because I'm very like the opposite of what you said that you are. I'm very much a strickler for like making sure that everything is clean. And I, you know, I get rid of all the like sniffles and coughs and all that stuff. And I get very anal when it comes to, you know, the podcast, uh, editing and all that stuff. But that would be a challenge for me to kind of just do a, a live show. I, I would have to completely restructure one of my shows, but that would be fun. Yeah. It is something that I think like everyone, every podcaster should do at least once. And, and, you know, I, I know like it's, it's actually, like I said, it's, it's strange trying like looking up these different festivals because like looking up a New York one, the New York comic con is like pretty much mainstreamers mm-hmm. from what I can tell, or like, it's like, it's hard. Like it's, it's hard to find information out about it because it's, it's like a really like, like, I don't know, it just seems like it's a, you know, you have to be at this level to get in. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with like, you know, well, I haven't looked at LA pod- podcast fest cause that's, you know, across the country, but, um, like DC podcast fest was, I tried to get into that and like, it's like, I, like no one, like they were just back and forth. They didn't like get back to me about anything. They were really like dodgy with it. And yeah. like, I get it. Like they're, they're charging. Like, you know, that's another great thing about the Philly podcast fest is it's free. Like yeah. we don't charge listeners to come in. Um, and like, I'm seeing, I don't, I, I've never seen a ticket price this high, a hundred dollars to get into the, to the podcast festival in DC. And I was like, that's insane. Like you're asking people who can listen to these shows for free to pay a hundred dollars for the live experience yeah. to, to, I mean, maybe I'm looking at it from the, the Philadelphia point of view where mm-hmm. we have like, we have one, what I would consider one or two mainstream podcasts in our city that are still really cool enough to come and do the podcast fest. But other than that, it's like, it's just all indie guys. Like a eh, hundred bucks is outrageous. Yeah. No, that, that kind of, makes me think of are you ever like scared that you're not gonna have a live audience like no one's gonna show up oh we i've had no one show up <gasps> and um, what do you do it, you still do the show yeah absolutely so so we had um i've done the show live now one two three i think four times and this will be my fifth time coming up in march here and 
Um, we we lucked out with our first one being the podcast fest, and we had like what I would consider a sizable audience. It looked like it was about twenty to twenty five people. Um, you know, one of the guys that were there that I knew, they said that you know there there wasn't much seating left, but it was like in a small back room of a bar. Okay. Um, and like I was like, that's a huge win for me. Like that, like that's twenty five people that are just coming here to to see me talk and be stupid. <laughs> um, and then the next one that I did after that was in New York um, for New York Comic Con. Not for New York Comic Con, but like the weekend of New York Comic Con. And that was like a pretty good audience. Like we had, I don't even know, we had a sizable audience. Um, and But everyone was drunk. So like it wasn't fair to say that I was funny because they were just drunk. <laughs> then we had one in uh, November at a great little store, great little music store on South Street in Philly, Bridge Set Sound. Huge fan of them. They don't sponsor this show, they, but they, they did sponsor a couple live shows we did before, prior to, to today. And um, we I, and I dropped the ball. This is probably why we didn't have anyone show up except for like my guest wife. <laughs> like that was the only person. And then the guy, owner of the store was in the it was in the audience. Right. Um, but I, I didn't promote it. Like my my uncle had passed away the a couple weeks before we went live, and he you know he, he was battling cancer. So I, the whole year I was dealing with that whole thing and, and especially like the months leading up to that November show, like, but I found his cancer came back in August, like the day before our podcast fest show. So like from podcast fest to, to British at sound show, like I was just like emotionally not there. And, um, and so I didn't promote it. So I take blame on that one. But yeah, we still did it because, it, you know, why not? Like podcasting, uh, you know, it is just it, it's you don't need an audience like it didn't start out with an audience. So you just adapt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess the show must go on at some point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we were streaming it to Facebook, so there could have been people like that's and that's a whole nother thing like now like i'm used to streaming live video but not in like a while well, i'm doing it in a venue so like, i'm not paying attention to it so i don't know like yeah it's it's it, it really gets you can break it down into so many different formats of doing it live and that's actually like a pretty good like way to start like if you if you don't want to fully jump in to doing like a live show at a venue doing it on like a lot the streaming it live on facebook or on youtube or wherever you can stream it these days like it's a great first step because you can just pretend there's no one there yeah that's true a blab did did you ever use blab at all before it went away no i've never even heard of that oh well blab was this kind of broadcasting thing we did a couple of episodes of um we got five which is also on court and parts um and they did, I think, two episodes, and it was it's super fun. You you were allowed like four people on at at one time. There was a chat room, and it was broadcasted live. And then you can have a link and turn it into audio or put it on YouTube, whatever. Um, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, but that went away. Um, mm-hmm. But services like that, like streaming, like you said, YouTube mm-hmm. and Facebook, those are kind of coming up. I just I'm waiting for YouTube. Um, I'm sorry for Facebook to kind of have more. Uh, opportunities to be i don't know to be more robust you know what i mean so i can have more than just me streaming something yeah so i mean the i'm actually you know i'm teasing that now for our live show in march because 
Um, we for our Potiversary show that we did in January, we um, we streamed audio through Wildfi- Wildfire Radio, which is like a great little like broadcast. Uh, podcast company out of uh, South Jersey, the greater Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lot of great shows on their network and they were kind enough to, to let us stream on their service uh, for the day. But that's like an audio stream. And I don't know, like the idea of doing a live show is, is, is you're being different because you're in front of a live audience. So it's very usually visual. Like our, at the Philadelphia podcast fest, we had one of my buddies who was a, a fitness trainer there and like we were doing like he made us do push-ups and this weird ab roller thing. So it was very, very <laughs> uh, visual. So right. we so the, the the listening audience at home that was streaming it live, they, they missed out on that because it wasn't live video. So we're, we're playing with that now. And you can get a little bit more robust if you use like a service like I don't know. Have you heard of like XSplit or um that's the only one I really know of. It's like a, no. a video streaming software. No, 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 I haven't. Yeah, I would recommend looking that up. And, and it's actually like, I just tested it the other day. It is insane how easy they've made it. Like, it's like, I, I, you used to have to get like the specific live key code for Facebook that you were using for that instance that you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And now it's literally you open up XSplit, you connect it to Facebook and you say you want to go live through XSplit and it connects you up and you can do really cool things like having a splash screen, you know, so you can go live five minutes before you actually are supposed to start. So people can like start joining the room and whatnot. Right. And they'll just see a little pretty splash screen. You can have different cameras hooked up so you can do a one shot, a two shot. Um, it is, there's so much you can do. Uh, and I could go on for hours about it because that's how I got started really, you know, my year two or three through like six for me was live streaming video and and i got really into it and um, yeah it's uh you if you can find a way to make facebook robust it's just uh you know another knowledge set that you need right through a third party yeah yeah through a third party and i I mean i'm telling you like you know if you have you have time in the next couple days like download a trial of xsplit and just play around with it I have just the free version and it works with Facebook live. So, you know, it's, it, it's pretty cool so far. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely will. I'm taking a lot of notes, learning a lot from you, Kev. <laughs> well, uh, no, you know, I'm surprised we're getting into it this early, but let's kind of kick into <laughs> interview mode and, um, <laughs> let's, let's start with, you, you know, your origin point. Like where, where are you from originally? I'm from New York. I was born and raised in oh. New York city born and raised so you and you're still in the actual city of new york no i i've since had have kids and moved out to uh right outside of new york in in jersey but oh okay oh so you, okay I, I still okay in new york. <laughs> we'll always yeah. and forever be well like if you're in uh I, I i used to do work out there a lot so like I, a lot of times uh i would get sent to hoboken new jersey to do work and i'd be like god damn it like why just send me to new york at this point <laughs> Like it's, I'm driving two hour, two and a half hours either way. Like the yeah. only thing you might be saving me on is that drive through either Lincoln Tunnel or over the bridge. That's another good hour sometimes. Yeah. Oh my god! Like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's. I love. I have a love hate relationship with just New York, like New York in general, not necessarily New York City, but like. Because actually doing work in New York City was rare for me, but like going to Long Island a lot to do work and. Uh, 
and going up to like Rochester to do work back when I used to travel, uh, having to go through the Lincoln Tunnel or the George G- GW Bridge, I hated it. I would constantly find ways to take the um, whatever that bridge is uh, through Staten Island. Oh, the uh, Verrazano. Yeah, yeah, the Verrazano. I would because that never was bad. That was always just like, a nice little drive. Yeah. Um, except that it's like twenty dollars. <laughs> oh, see, so, but or probably but, more. I don't take 10, that. Ten. Let's see. Well, oh god, I've been. I don't know how how long ago this was. I'd say I I was twenty one. So eleven years ago is when I started traveling to New York for work and whatnot. So like ten eleven years ago, it was. I mean, it was expensive, but I don't think it was twenty dollars to go over the bridge. Like it was, it was expensive to go over the GW bridge. Yeah. Uh, I always thought that was ridiculous. That's. I mean, uh, they get every year. I feel like they get higher and higher, but it's just it just is what it is. You know, if you want to go into New York, you just have to kind of bite the bullet. You know. Yeah. Easy passes, your friend. Yeah, well, and that's and that's how it is in Pennsylvania too with our turnpike. It's, yeah. I remember about like ten years ago, it used to be like I think fifteen dollars for me to drive from here to to like Pittsburgh or Ohio, uh, for for work. If I you know if I had a site that I had to go to out there, and now uh, we I haven't been out there in probably two years, two or three years at this point. But the last time we drove out to to visit family um, out in Pittsburgh, it was like $25. And now I think I saw that they, they raised the prices and it's like $30. It's, it's oh God, I hate driving now. It's just awful. <laughs> I know. Unless I'm like in my little, my little five mile radius of, of home. <laughs> yeah. So, so born and raised in New York. Yes. Uh, well, so, cause see, I, I say I'm from Philly, but I've always been a suburbs boy. Like I, I'm fake Philly. I've never been in the heart of the city, uh, as far as living. So what's, what's it like growing up and living in the city as a, as a kid? It's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I was born, like, if you take the the island of Manhattan, I was Mm -hmm. born and raised in um, Northern, the Northern part of Manhattan, which is, uh, Washington Heights in wood area. Um, so predominantly when I was there, it was predominantly, um, a Dominican neighborhood. So my parents are from the Dominican Republic and, um, it's, you know, it was actually pretty great. Um, sure. The eighties had a lot of like drugs or whatever, but it just was what it was. Um, but in the kind of just growing up in the city in in general, anyone that grew up in the city kind of knows it's just you have people from everywhere and you kind of just, you kind of just are, you know what I mean? There are, they are, um, I found it to be very inclusive. I know that's not the experience for a lot of people, but for me, it kind of was. And also, you know, you felt cool. <laughs> if that sounds kind of, I don't want it to sound pretentious, but you know, you felt cool. You're from New York and Everywhere else is crappy, you know, when you're yeah. like growing up before you know better. Um, but no, it was it was actually really it was a good fun time. Like I had a really great childhood and had, you know, I went to high school in Chinatown. So I had that experience of, you know, my high school was in, at, you know, kind of like on the border of Chinatown and the Lower East Side, which is which is um, uh, a lot of Puerto Rican and, and black folks and stuff. So it was that was a great time, too. And. And I went to, you know, junior high, it was like the Upper West Side. And that was a, a, an experience in and of itself. So, you know, I had a good, I had a good run of the entire city of, you know, in, in the entire Manhattan, let's say. Um, the outer boroughs, that came once I was a little older. And, you know, you kind of get to explore that. 
um, yeah. more. Yeah, it's my experience with well, my experience with New York specifically is I think once like an elementary school trip to the Bronx Zoo <laughs> is, is probably my first experience with, with New York, which is obviously nothing. It's basically me going to the Philadelphia Zoo. Right, right. Uh, Bronx Zoo is for, pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't. I remember. I think that might have been the zoo where I saw a couple bears doing it. Oh, but yeah. I, I, I forget. <laughs> you know that the elementary school to me kind of blends all together. But I feel like if it was elementary school, it had to be there because I don't remember. I think we went to the Philadelphia Zoo once, and I, and I would have remembered if it was the Philly Zoo. Um, and then, like as like a teenager, going with my uncle and some of my cousins. And then really like just to go exploring New York City like as like for fun, like I've only done maybe two or three times. And one of them was last year when I was I was I wouldn't even say I was there for New York Comic Con because I didn't get I didn't go to the con. Um, But we went to, you know, just me and my buddy just kind of walked around and and, uh, checked out um, Madame Tussauds and and uh, and ate food and, and then did our live show. Yeah, yeah. So I have yet to get like a full New York City experience. Well, I think now it's so much different than, for example, than when I was growing up or even when I was in my early 20s, um, you know, high school, my early 20s. Where now it feels, you know, I go around, you know, I drive by the neighborhood where I grew up and everything is very, very gentrified or I go around the... Um, the area of my high school where I spent a lot of time there because I also did theater after high school in that area in the Lower East Side. And everything just kind of feels very generic, you know? Everything is that corporate is like... and generic. And that's, I don't know, probably the outer boroughs now are having more of a, of a personality. But I think growing up, Manhattan had its true, like, personality. And now I feel like all that is being scrubbed away. So that, quote-unquote, New York experience is so much different now than it was, you know, even 10, 20 years ago. It's it's funny that you say that, because when, um, when I was preparing for our show there uh, last year, or in October, uh, I was like, it was, you know, in Hell's Kitchen. I was like, oh, that's awesome, Daredevil Town. And... Yeah. <laughs> And I was, and I was like, so I was doing a whole bunch of like, I, and I get lost in Wikipedia, like rabbit holes and whatnot. That's a term that I saw all over about Hell's Kitchen. And I was like, what the, so it's not that, like, it's not that it's just a, <laughs> no. it, it's just a, another, it's just another section of the town now. It's not, yeah. it's not Daredevil. No, no, it's not Daredevil. It's funny because when and my husband and I, we were watching the first, the first season and even the second season, we brought it up again, but we're watching it. We're just kind of like, why you know, everything is because it's Daredevil and I'm guessing that's what how it was in the comics. Everything was like, you know, Hell's Kitchen and it was bad and it's full of corruption, yada, yada, yada. And to some extent, I'm sure every place is like that. But the 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 Hell's Kitchen that we live in today is nothing like it is in, on Daredevil anymore. And it just, you know, being from New York, it just kind of rang false. And it, it's just, you know, and... To me, I, I just would turn to him and be like, you know, I'm, I'm sure people that aren't from New York would, would buy it, you know, and, and that would be okay with them. But when you're, you know, when you're from New York and you know kind of what's going on and you know the neighborhood more or less, you're just kind of like, no, this is not like that anymore. It used to be maybe the 70s, 80s, maybe when Daredevil was, you know, when was created, but not anymore. So, yeah, well, and it's definitely like, and I, I don't, I, I'm a 
terrible comic book fan because I don't really read comic books anymore. But the and, and and Daredevil was one that I never really read unless he popped up in like Spider Man. Right. But the idea of Daredevil that I know of at least is that that like even in 2017 Daredevil, like the Hell's Kitchen that's represented there is very much the the corrupted Hell's Kitchen. Uh, so that's why I think you know that's why they kind of brought it into the show. Yeah, or like the um, super dangerous, you know? Because um, yeah. my dad was a, is is still a huge Daredevil fan. He, he learned to read um, in English with the Daredevil Spider-Man comics. So Daredevil, when he was reading it in the, you know, when he was a kid, was like that. You know, the 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 Hell's Kitchen was like that. It was really dangerous. You couldn't really, you know, be there past a certain time. Like it was what what is represented in the comic books, but for it to kind of still be that representation now, it's, it's just a little strange when you're, you know, when you're from there, but when you're not, well, it, it works. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I get that too. Like as, as far as like when, cause Marvel takes place as you know, in it's, it's not DC where it takes place in fiction, you know, fictional cities. It mm-hmm. takes not one city in a Marvel comic book is fake. It's all usually New York, but I, and, and I guess some West coast stuff too, but it's, yeah. it's all, it's all real. So like it, it is, it does hurt them to, um, t- to be in these real cities because they are, there is an expectation of what is, how are we representing the city of New York? Because it is a real life city versus when Batman depicts Gotham as being a, terrible dark place you can buy that because gotham doesn't exist exactly yeah yeah um i think that's so awesome that your your dad learned to read off a comic book yes it's or not i shouldn't say learn how to read learn how to read english English, off a comic book yeah no he did and um daredevil is his is like daredevil and spider-man is like everything that i just kind of grew up him talking about not in detail like i'm not a comic book nerd but he was just really excited so when the daredevil the ben affleck movie came out he was sorely disappointed and he was so oh, just really? very upset about it um uh, because it wasn't what he thought it was you know that's a shame because i actually really I, I and i haven't watched it probably since it first came out on dvd but i actually kind of dug it like i i wasn't and again i come from not being a daredevil comic book fan yeah um but i and maybe it's because i like you know and I still, to this day, I just really enjoy Ben Affleck. Like, I think he's a, a great actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because he got to start with Kevin Smith is probably why I give him too much credit because <laughs> I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, too. And Kevin Smith was in Daredevil. Like, I, I, that, I have a special place for that movie in my heart. It definitely, like, to me, and I think I definitely have to, like, le- like take a seat back and like look at the the comic book movie scape now because it's so huge Mm -hmm. but back like in the days of the ben affleck daredevil movie it wasn't such a huge genre that it is now so i yeah and so i've you know i've always kind of classified around when iron man came out my classification was well you have like the these iron man uh, superhero movies like iron man and dark knight and like these movies are just like top-notch superhero movies then you have pretty much everything else which is like your your fantastic fours your daredevils um you know they're just not quite as good as spider-man or batman or or iron man and then you have um the the uh angley's hulk which was to this day the shittest movie i have ever seen it is (laughs) i hate it there's nothing i like about it and it's (laughs) 
it's I I don't know why I have a buddy who loves movies and the thing that he loves about that movie is those dopey comic book transitions and that's what I hate about the movie probably hate more than anything else about that movie and for the longest time that was like there's as long as you do better than Ang Lee's Hulk like you're a good movie and I think that's why I liked the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie because it was better than Ang Lee's Hulk Sure, I guess. I don't know. I didn't I didn't mind Anne Angley's Hulk. Um I think Anne is a great director. Um maybe it wasn't the best Hulk, but I didn't mind it. But the, I don't know, there's something about I'm not a Ben Affleck fan. Oh. Um so I don't know if there's anything that he makes that I'm going to be kind of crazy about. That being said, uh the Ben Affleck and, and Kevin Smith, you know, Chasing Amy was like one of my favorite movies um, yeah. when it came out. Um, it's, that is to date my favorite movie of all time. It's great. It's such a good movie. And I love yeah. it. And I, I remember watching it over and over and over again. Um, back when I wanted to be a screenwriter or, or, a, mm-hmm. or a filmmaker or whatever, I was like, I want to make movies like this about like people and relationships, whatever. Um, but I, I, I like Ben Affleck in that movie, but I don't like Ben Affleck in general. So every time he like pops up, I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, I don't know. There was something about that Daredevil, though, that, that just didn't work for me. It was a movie and it was fun, but I mean, eh, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. <laughs> well, I mean, especially, I mean, if before Daredevil TV show, like there was nothing else to really compare it to except for other superhero movies. Right, right. So, so I mean, for me, like, I mean, when I compare it, when I sit down and compare it to Marvel's Daredevil, there's no comparison. Like, oh, no. Hey there, super friends. It's Kev. I'm just going to interrupt this show for a minute or two so I can do some housekeeping. If you want to help support this show, you can do it in several different ways. One of those ways, I'll read your name on air right here. Not, not just your name, but your whole review uh, by leaving a five-star review uh, or any review, really. I'll read all of them, but hopefully... You're kind enough to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to our iTunes page, subscribe to the page. That way you don't miss an episode. And, of course, leave that five-star text review. iTunes math does a lot of good things that make more people listen to the show, and that means more cool things happen to Everything is Awesome. Another way that you can support is word-of-mouth recommendations. Just tell friends to listen to Everything is Awesome. Put it on when you're carpooling together on your way to work or on your way to Comic-Con or whatever. And the final way, this one may cost you a little bit of money, uh, but that's okay. If you go to patreon.com slash that entertains, the other, uh, the other ways you help support us are just as good, free for nothing, help us. But this one, if you pledge some money to us, we'll give you some more stuff in return. You know, we, and by we, I mean Jason Ashley from Too Cool for Tabletop and I, we like to have, say $12 a year, bro, $1 a month uh, is really nothing to you. You skip anything for one day and that's more than a dollar uh, and that helps make uh, our dreams come true really if I'm going to be honest that's entertainment uh, which is what funds this podcast is running a patreon patreon.com slash that entertains and I mean really honestly if we could hit $25 a month of support that would be wonderful it means bills are covered for us and that's really all i want at the end of the day and everything else is just icing on the cake means we get to do more upgrades means we get to create more content and a lot of the stuff that we want to do is at least early access for you guys that pledge to us on patreon.com slash that entertains or we'll even do some exclusive content 
We're working on some things um, now that we're thinking of for exclusive content that we'll do randomly throughout the year and whatnot. So again, if you want to help support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash that entertains. Not just supporting this podcast, but you're supporting That's Entertainment, which means that even more content besides this podcast will come at you. We're talking skits, sketches, web series, movies, a whole ton of content that we have that we want to do that will eventually get done anyway, but with your help, we can get it done sooner. If you don't want to spend any cash, I completely get it. I understand it iTunes reviews help us tremendously, as well as word of mouth recommendations. Finally, you can also go to um, the contact page on awesomepodcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We're going to start sending out weekly reminders of the things that we've posted throughout the week, as well as spotlights on the guests that we've had on our podcasts. Um, And we're also going to be sending out reminders or notifications about new things that we're working on, events that we're going to be doing and whatnot. So uh, just another place to get some more detailed information. We're going to try to make it unique enough for you so that it's worth us invading your inbox. This has been more than a minute or two. So let's get back to the conversation. It's, and, but it's also hard to compare anything to the current kind of landscape that we're in with superhero movies, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm saying this just as a fan of movies, not necessarily a comic book fan yeah. or even comic book you know movies but it's hard like i find it kind of hard to even compare um the first iron man to like the current you know to something like civil war or something like that you know what i mean so i think that it's changed so much that it's it's hard to do that obviously i think that first iron man movie still holds up like that that one is i mean obviously a without that movie and without robert downey jr and without john favs like you i don't think you get the marvel cinematic universe we have um i I don't even know if you get beyond maybe you know the first phase of movies um it's that movie is is like near perfect like i just i really enjoy the first iron man movie um and it's I don't know if it's if I would say it's my favorite superhero movie of all time, especially since I haven't seen some of the like, like I, again, this is why I'm a terrible fan of <laughs> comic books and comic book movies. It's like I haven't seen Ant Man yet. I haven't seen Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, I I have I blame the kids. I I just there's no time. Yes, uh, I feel you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's not just the kids. Like I just I also am busy. Like I'd rather be a content creator. You know too. Um, so like, you know, I, I, I don't see all these movies all the time. Um, and like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to talk myself, uh, into not that I need to talk too much. Like it's, I'm actually holding myself back from going to see Logan tomorrow night because, oh my God, there's nothing that negative I've heard about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I've actually also heard this morning that grown men are like crying like babies during this movie so well well and that yeah logan for me and i shouldn't not just logan but x-men for me like Mm -hmm. uh that x-men was really like what kind of kicked off to me like even 17 18 years later i think that came out in 99 or 2000 the first x-men um where that kind of kicked off the current boom of of superhero movies we have like yeah uh, Schumacher killed it with, with Batman and Robin and, and Batman Forever. Like he he killed the superhero franchise. Yeah, he kind of shot it in the face. Um, yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, <laughs> like, Fox, well, Fox owns and still owns the the X Men movies, right? But I think yeah. you're right. You're, you're totally right. Those first X Men movies, they did really well. They were a lot of fun. Uh, I remember kind of the backlash about people and the suits and the the casting and all that. But outside of all that. They were really just kind of fun movies to watch, and yeah. and I agree with you. They did kick off the whole kind of superhero and, thing. And to date, X that first X Men movie is probably the movie I've seen in a theater more than any other movie. Like, I I I think I I think I saw that at least ten times in the theater. Wow, the first um, one. Yeah, and I was I mean I, when that movie came out, I I was in I was still in high school. I was uh, six. If it was came out in 2000, I was around 16, 15 or 16 years old. Um, so, so I was like right, like the right age for that movie. I had like just, I had just like kind of graduated from like reading comic books to, to just like, eh, I don't read comic books, but I'll watch a comic book movie. That's cool. <laughs> and um, there was just something about like, you know, Patrick Stewart being Xavier is just a genius casting move. And that movie just clicked on all the right levels. And it was that that era of X-Men and Spider-Man where X-Men was just such a great movie. And then Spider-Man 1 came out and that was even better. And then X-2 came out and that was better. And then Spider-Man 2 came out and that was better. And then they had a third movie each. And, you know, the world was a little sad. Um, But and and that's not fair. I I enjoyed both those movies, Um, both their third their third trilogy movies. But um when like when days of future past came out like that was like for me a huge deal like that was everyone was like everyone's moment of like star wars is coming back that was days of future past for me because it was like holy crap the original cast is coming back to the x-men franchise and that was like such a huge deal for me so like the X-Men franchise is probably, whereas it's not my favorite franchise at all. Like, I just really like what Marvel's doing with the MCU. The X-Men franchise is the most important franchise to me. And, and, and that's, you know, it, it comes to an end to, or at least it seems like it's coming to an end with Logan. Like, Logan seemingly is going to put a nice little bow on the last 17 years of, of X-Men movies. Yeah, but what will you do when they reboot it in like two years? Uh, well, so I, I I like what they're like. I mean, they are kind of already doing that. Like they're already talking about doing the the. I don't know if they're going to use the cast from you know first class, mm-hmm. but they're going to do one set in the nineties, and they're still like I I think they're as long as they don't reboot it in the sense of like continuity right. like that's that's something we now live in a world where the 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 popular masses actually like understand how a comic book kind of works and like to be fair they always they always have like james bond is nothing but more than a comic book character yeah. who has it's this who just gets a new actor to play the same role like the audience is is ready and primed for that and as long i think you know Go and cast a new Wolverine and have it be a new actor, but don't lose the history that you have with that character in your movies. There's no reason that you need to to do an origin story. There's no reason that you need to um, just tell retell stories. Just continue telling new stories with the character. I guess you know. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, that's the thing that I don't think that the the execs 
realize that, you know? I think yeah. that they have to dumb it down and give us a, a an origin story every time, you know, every two years or three years or whatever. I mean, look what's happening with Spider-Man. I don't think anyone needed to have, you know, no. all the Spider-Man movies that we've had, especially given, you know, the same well, kind of, the, within that same kind of story arc. Yeah. But we have that. And I... Th- and I think, sorry, and I, th- but I think Marvel taking that over has has corrected that. Like they're not doing a huge origin story for Spider Man now. Oh, that's what, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think like in so I think in Homecoming, like obviously in Homecoming, he's already Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're gonna see is something. Now I didn't see Batman versus Superman because you know it, you saw the trailers. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either. <laughs> uh, but. You know, from what I understand, like the way they handled Batman's origin for this new version of Batman was very good. Like they handled it in like flashbacks. and It was very like tastefully done and it was done in a way that doesn't treat the audience like idiots. So I and I think Marvel, you know, it sounds like they have the creative control of of this character now as well. And Sony is kind of just collecting a paycheck. Um so I think they're going to be smart with it. And like, to be honest, like for the first, and now uh, Tom Holland, I think is in his early twenties now, yes. but for the first time we have a, a, a young kid, a young man playing Spider-Man who looks like a kid, like he looks like a teenager. <laughs> so like, I'm excited. I think the new Spider-Man, I, first of all, I thought he did great in civil war. I yes. thought he, he, he brought to the table, the best of both Garfield and Maguire. Like in my opinion, Tobey Maguire was a really good Peter Parker, kind of a shitty Spider-Man, but Andrew Garfield had, he reminded me to me when I read a Spider-Man comic book or when I used to read Spider-Man comic book, like the voice I heard in my head was that awesome nineties cartoon that we had. Yeah. And it was very like, you know, quick witted and very sharp with humor and whatnot. And that's, that was the Spider-Man in the amazing Spider-Man. Like, I watched the first movie and I like, I kind of enjoyed it. Like I could see why everyone hated it, but I kind of enjoyed it. Second one was awful, but I kind of enjoyed that first amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. And it was because of his portrayal as Spider-Man shitty Peter Parker, amazing Spider-Man. And this kid, Tom Holland brings both aspects, like a great Peter Parker, a great Spider-Man, like a believable kid. That's just trying to do the right thing. I don't know. I love it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see him to see what he's gonna bring, and I think that I don't know I I have good feelings about the new movie. I just feel like maybe we didn't need it. You know what I mean? Like just, I, I, I as long as they the last incarnation for a while. Yeah, and I well, and, and I agree with you because when when the Amazing Spider-Man came out, I was like, are you kidding? Like we just had we <laughs> yeah. just had Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Um, and like that, like I was really been out of shape about it. Cause, cause Spider-Man along, along with, um, the X-Men movies, like that was because they both, the first movies came out with like within a year of each other. So like, I, again, probably I, I overall, I probably enjoyed the McGuire Spider-Man movies more than the X-Men movies, but you know, they just, they both just were like the first for the most part. And, um, I, I just, uh, I, I was just really sour on them rebooting it. Like, I think it was less than like five years after the third Spider-Man movie. Like it was yeah. a ridiculously short amount of time. No, and it's ridiculous. And again, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that after Logan uh, 
after Logan, because it's out already, like we don't have a, a completely new reboot of X-Men in, you know, in another two to three years. You know, so I just yeah. kind of, you know, I would like them to kind of chill on the churning these superhero movies out. And I'd rather just have a good movie, you know, yeah. whether it's Marvel or DC. And, um, yeah. and well, Marvel, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, well, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, because DC is just kind of crap in the bed. I saw Suicide Squad. And again, I'm not like a superhero aficionado, but I saw Suicide Squad and I, I don't I don't think I've been that bored at an action movie, you know, or mm-hmm. a superhero movie at that in my entire life. Like I was yeah. I was sp- I was very surprised at the level of boredom that I that I had throughout that movie. Now, I will give that movie the benefit of the doubt that I started watching it at 11 p.m., <laughs> but I fell asleep during it. Yeah. And for you to get me to fall asleep during like what's supposed and for I mean I've never was on board with Leto's Joker like I was like I mean we'll see I, I said we'll see yeah but like I just it's not my Joker I mean it's never going to be Mark Hamill unless it's Mark Hamill so you know whatever and my my biggest problem with the the DC EU or whatever they call their extended universe over there um is that it's just like they're dumb <laughs> like yeah. they Marvel like, even though they kind of keep their TV universe and their movie universe separate, like, there's just, like, they're they're this, in the same universe, they just don't talk about one another. They're just, like, really shy with one another, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I must say that um, out of the two, the TV universe, I find more my speed because it feels more adult. You know, it feels uh, like they can, yeah. not only because they have a longer span to tell maybe a, a story arc or whatever, but I think that they, they can... Uh, talk about themes, you know, yeah. that are more kind of my speed. For example, especially in the in the Netflix series. Exactly, like they, no, exactly. Yeah. Like the Jessica Jones was was perhaps yes. one of my favorite things yes. that Marvel has put out in a really long time, and it's because it, it kind of dealt with things that you know I could relate to, you know, yeah. and, um, well, and and I think that the movies can't really do that because they're appealing yeah. to the masses. Yeah. And like the one thing that Marvel had had a hard time excelling at was like a really good villain, and mm-hmm. and Daredevil, I you know Kingpin was an excellent villain, and then they topped that with Kilgrave with by you know David Tennant's Kilgrave, yep. and, and I mean maybe it's because I'm just a huge David Tennant fan, but like I I, I just thought, and I th- I think the first movie to maybe get a villain right was civil war with, um, with, uh, Zemo. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my, my argue point for the best villain so far in, in the Marvel universe that I've seen, I, there's some movies I haven't seen yet, but it, it's, it's between Kilgrave from Jessica Jones and, uh, and, and Zemo from civil war. They, they, they're just two of the greatest villains, uh, that the cinematic universe has put out. Um, but yeah, DC just, and, and I mean, Chris and I have gone on about this <laughs> on, uh, TV eight, my brain, yeah. but like DC doesn't like let p- combine your, your TV, like the TV CW shows, the Berlanti verse, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it is, I think it's personally better than the non Netflix Marvel shows, which I guess is really just agents of, uh, agents of shield. Yeah. But, um, like I, I don't. I haven't watched Agents of Shield or Gotham for at least a year now. Like, and I and I'm maybe a week behind on the CW shows, and like I have like panic attacks about it because, (laughs) 
Like they're, they, Berlanti is just doing like him and, and Kreisberg. They just know how to handle those characters. And like the fact that they can get it so, so right on the CW, but get it so, so wrong on the big screen blows my mind. Well, it, it may have something to do with the fact that I think DC is just trying to put out these movies out so quickly that they're just forgetting about what makes a movie good. You know what I mean? You have to put in the work. You have to have a good script and you have to, you know, have a a good director and all that stuff. So, and I just think that that they're just... got none of that with Snyder. Right, right. (laughs) So, so to me, it's just like, they're just trying to put out the movies to possibly compete with Marvel. And what they're doing is hurting their brand. Um, And on TV, hopefully Berlanti isn't, you know, spreading himself out too thin. I don't watch uh, I don't watch The Flash or Arrow. I just watch Supergirl, but it seems like he's you know he's he knows what he's doing, and it's mm-hmm. it seems better thought out. So if, I don't know what DC DC does need to get their shit together. If you enjoy Supergirl, you should really be watching The Flash. Like those sh- those two shows go so well hand in hand together. Like they what like the Flashes. I know that in the writers' room, like they have the three H's: heart, heroics. And God damn it. What is that third age? <laughs> there's a third age. Yeah. I always, I never remember the ages, <laughs> but there's a, th- it's, it's humor. Humor is the third one. Okay. And, and they, it's just an equal balance. They try to have an equal balance and they usually have a little bit more heart in there to, to, to cause it is, it's a very like heart filled show. And I, I feel like they took that concept and brought it over to Supergirl because tonally those shows are very similar. Um, much different. Like Arrow is like the broody big brother of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Legends of Tomorrow is very enjoyable, but like I can understand, like that's not like that one is more of like you don't need to watch that to be to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I I think you would enjoy Fly if you enjoy Supergirl because that's my selling point to all all the guys I talk to who don't watch Supergirl is like, if you like the flesh, like I assure you, you're going to love Supergirl. Yeah. The thing is that like, I watch a lot of TV yeah. and there's so <laughs> much, there's so yeah. much TV out there yeah. that I have to, yeah. that I feel like I have to nope. prioritize over yeah. starting something new. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am now. Maybe no, I'll, I'll catch up with it at some point. I a hundred percent understand. I mean, that's why I gave up on Gotham. That's why I gave up on, uh, you know, agents. I, I don't want to say gave up. I will eventually go back to them. I mean, agents but... of shield is like, I that last episode of agents of shield and everyone who saw it will probably agree with me that that was fucking awesome. Like it was just oh, straight yeah. up an awesome hour of TV. Um, and, I want to say starting last year, maybe the fight choreography, like that fight choreography team is, is like the best in the business. I hear Arrow is, has really great fight choreography, but um, agents of shield is just doing something really special over there. Um, And, and in terms of, you know, directing and camera, camera movements and all that. And the story has, has really gotten a lot better than it, than it did in like season one and even season two. I mean, I don't know. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has become such a, such a great show. Um, Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've, I've heard that. And I just, I don't know there's something like that, that shirtless boy network is just like, that's where my fun shows are. So 
yeah, I just I have I I need to sit down and like just binge watch and catch up on Agents of Shield because I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Because like for, again, I I would say if I if I'm anything, I'm a Marvel head. I'm like I'm a Marvel zombie, as they used to say, mm-hmm. and. That, like save for when it comes to Batman, like Batman, who is really just a Marvel character. Um, like there, the, I've always enjoyed Marvel more than DC, except when it comes to like the TV, the normal TV universe. Like before Netflix, I was always like, yeah, Marvel just doesn't know what they're doing on the small screen. And, and for a while it was true. They couldn't, they couldn't quite grasp it. Yeah. Um, uh, so so to go back to the actual interview though uh, before we we wrap uh, in the next like 10 minutes or so um, so you when you were in high school you had an interest in like theater and and writing and directing yes I did theater um, I did you know high school theater and that kind of um, sparked an interest in in that creative side of me so uh, after high school, I continued to do community theater in New York and, um, and regional theater, um, mainly behind the scenes because I'm not an actor or a performer by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. But, uh, you know, the directing and writing and lighting and all, the, all behind the scenes stuff. And that was really fun. Um, and at the, you know, when I was about 23 24 i joined this uh nonprofit organization for women of color in media so i got to i got the opportunity to kind of learn uh video and short film the the art of the short film and video making and editing and all that stuff and i got into that and i i didn't do so much theater because i was doing short films and all that you know and i i got to create you know make my own uh produce write direct and produce my own my own short film, my first short film, take it to festivals and kind of do all that. That's and, so awesome. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I then kind of uh, became a mentor at that same organization and mentored in film and video and, and short, you know, short filmmaking. Uh, other young women kind of uh, coming up and, and doing the same thing, and that was also very fulfilling and and fun in different ways. Um, and. And then I stopped because, you know, I started a family and I didn't have that much time or energy or money or anything like that. And and that's kind of how I got into podcasting. Uh, And and, uh, that was going to be my next question, but I do want to comment. Like, that's like now at 32 going on 33. And I should say probably when I was... 25 26 mm-hmm. despite being a kevin smith fan for probably close to a you know a decade at that point um you know it wasn't until just like watching clerks for like the i don't know 50th time where i was like i want to do this mm-hmm. and like and it's you know still figuring that out like you know five seven years later but like we are that's like that's like part of our another part of our year two of of like rebooting everything that like our you know the podcasting stuff and, and everything yeah. is like let's like do video production for real and whatnot so like we're actually like finally like writing scripts and like getting it's it's i'm just it's interesting to hear that your your story getting to that because it's like oh my god that's like we're totally just talking about doing like we're, we're writing a 30 minute short right now yeah yeah um, no and that's a lot so of fun I, I just got interviewed uh for a book that someone's writing about my time about that time of my life and that yeah. this organization um and and that was it was weird because just in 
and the person asking me all these questions and kind of reminiscing and, and telling them the story about everything. Um, one of the questions was like, Hey, do you, would you like to go back to that? And, and my answer without skipping a beat is like, of course, 100%, I would love to go, uh, back to making movies and, um, and, you know, and, and creating all that producing, directing, whatever. But it's something that takes so much time, um, and so much energy and so much just, you know, financial, you know, uh, money, money period. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, I, I don't, I just, I don't have the, I just don't have the ambition to kind of go for it right now Yeah. because yeah. right now I, you know, I'm, I'm putting all my energy towards podcasting because I can do it from home. I can, I'm, I'm a stay at home so I can do it, you know, from home and still raise my two year old and my six year old. And I can do everything from like my computer and it doesn't require that much of a, you know, of a monetary investment so much. Um, and I can still kind of get those creative juices flowing, which is the reason I started it, without the sacrifice of leaving, you know, leaving my house and and f- trying to figure out, like, you know, who's going to grab the kids or, you know what I mean? So it, um, yeah. it is something that I would love to go back to. But right now, I don't even know if I could. Now, I, always, I always say, let me see, once my youngest is, is in school and I'll have actually more free yeah. time, hopefully then maybe I will get back mm-hmm. to it because it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. And it's, and it was something that was very fruitful for me. Yeah. And, well, and that's like the, like the, the, a, the balance of trying to like, obviously be a family person or not a person, a family man, have, you know, have two kids and whatnot. And, um, and then balancing the podcasting stuff and then trying to work in writing, whether it be like a, a book or be, you know, a screenplay of some sort. It is like that balance is so hard yeah. to find. And like, you know, for me, like podcasting is not like it's, that's like aside from being dad, like podcasting sucks up most of my yeah. energy because it is such a time, at least for doing this show like that's the one thing i've noticed like doing uh, everything is awesome an interview style show is way more time consuming than it was even when i did a show that had four or five co-hosts attached to it because like i have to book the guests i have to edit yeah. the show like i'm not, like i'm my own producer now so like and that's like as much as like i agree like with with you know Kevin Smith when he when he does his live podcast like not so much anymore but a year or two ago like he was big on saying you want to do something like make a podcast because my podcasting is cheap it's easy you don't have to ask anyone's permission to do anything you can do a podcast about Leonardo from Teenage Mutant Turtles if you want to and you have an audience someone will want to hear you talk about Leonardo uh, whereas you know when he used to tell tell people to make movies like the thing he never said is yeah yo go out there and make a movie and you're going to need thousands of millions of dollars like it's it's something that that you know is just usually financially not something that you can just pick up and do and it's obviously a lot easier in in today's world with the technology we have no now. of course but i think you know what uh, i but, find what i find at least in the work that i'm doing now which is i have two, sometimes three of my own shows. Um, I say sometimes because I cover a couple of TV shows on TV in my brain. Um, <laughs> and doing the, the network and kind of keeping that afloat, you know, I also 
I'm balancing that and also being a mom and also kind of like, you know, managing my household and also, you know, making sure that my marriage doesn't fall apart. You know what I mean? So it's like, so <laughs> I, I, I very jokingly, when I talk to people about it, I always say, you know, when they ask these movie stars, like, how do you balance it all? And they have, you know, they give whatever answer they give, you know, they, some, a lot of them don't mention all the help that they have, you know, and all the nannies and all the this and all the money that they have in order to be able to do yeah. all the things they do. Um, so for me, I'm sitting at home sometimes when I don't have time to do one of one of the many things that I'm doing. And I'm just kind of like, damn it, I really could use a nanny right now. I could either use a nanny or somebody <laughs> that can handle the website for me, one or the other. That yeah. would just yeah. help me out a ton. Um, but no, but, but you're right. It's like, it's just kind of balancing it all and being present and doing something really well. Cause I, I feel like sometimes I'm a perfectionist and I want to make sure that everything is, is done really well. And we put out really good work, especially for Cortem Parts for every show we put out good work and it sounds good and it's good content and people, you know, cause that brings people to us. I, I'm hoping I, I dilute myself maybe in thinking yeah. that. Um, but also I do want to. I do want to make sure that I raise really good, good people. And I do want to make sure that my marriage lasts for the next 90 years and, you know, what I mean? and my house doesn't <laughs> fall apart. So it's just kind of like I'm learning as I go how to balance everything. And it's and it's a challenge. Yeah. That's definitely a challenge. Yeah, and I mean, first of all, I apologize because definitely everything is awesome is like the bottom rung. Like, I don't know how we sneaked in if you're looking for good quality because as I mentioned on this show numerous times, no prep, no editing, uh, I just kind of turn the mics on and go. Well, it's funny because every um, show on Court of Parks has its own personality and yours is yours yeah. has its personality and it's great and it's funny and I enjoy it, you know, every week. And um, and. And that's the thing. As long as there's, you know, good quality content, it makes people laugh, it's produced really well, that's that's pretty much it. You know, yeah. it's not that high of a bar. But um but <laughs> Yeah, because I don't I, I can't jump. <laughs> no, so. but your show I mean, I love everything is awesome. I think it's really funny. Yeah. Um and I and I enjoy your conversations and all that stuff. So but again, like everyone has its own its own thing kind of going. As long as there's as long as people yes. are listening and you're enjoying yourself, I think that yeah. that comes through. Yeah. And, that, and that's, again, you know, for the first eight years or so that I did podcasting, like it was all about how do I do this to make money and and to, to keep the story short, because my audience is tired of me talking about <laughs> it. Like that's like it was just like it was always such a huge stressor and not that doing everything is awesome isn't a huge stressor because it is more work. It is, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say more time consuming, uh, but it's definitely, you know, it, it's just, it is, it's just more work because I have to do everything versus just a segment or just like, Hey, you know, you guys are doing sports. You guys are doing this. You guys are doing this and, and we'll come together and you know, I'll, we'll talk, we'll all talk about it. Um, and, uh, but it was all about money before. So now doing this is like, where I'm not thinking about the money, I'm not thinking about the numbers. I'm not, like I don't care. I don't want to say I don't care about my audience, but like I don't do things for my audience yeah. anymore. Like it's not like, hey, I'm going to do the show I think you want to hear. I'm going to do the show I want to hear. And sometimes that's me sitting in a car by myself, pretending to be Batman, <laughs> and talking to myself for an hour. Yeah. Uh, 
sometimes it's me getting Thor, the the fictional character of Thor on my yeah. show. Um, sometimes you know it, it's it's sometimes it's it's you know going to be hopefully in the month of April doing bonus episodes where we sit around and play like tabletop games for yeah. for the show. Um, so it's just it's whatever like I kind of want to do and like you like that's something that I want to do more of this year is like how to like make the show different enough to where it's it's like it where it's the same show but it's we're we're just doing things yeah. differently. Uh and one of those things is like less two-parters. Like I you know I first year, you know, 52 weeks, I'd say we only had 28 to 30 yeah. guests. Um so like the goal this year is to like have 52 guests right. maybe. Uh or at least 52 different episodes. And, you know, just kind of just switch it up and just have fun. That's like you said, like, that's for me. Then as long as I enjoy doing it, like this show will never go away. Yeah. And again, the way I do that is I sit in the car and talk to Batman. <laughs> I love that episode, by the way. Um, no, I, you know, it's, it's great because I met the, I feel like I'm for one of my shows, I'm at the other end of that where I'm just kind of like, it is so much work and I have a, a co-host, but it's really me that does it's me that does all the work from the beginning, you know, from beginning to mm -hmm. end where I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I have the time to do this anymore as fun as it is, but I have so many other things, not only that I want to do, but that I'm currently doing, um, that I, you know, that I think I'm going to have to put the show to rest as much as it pains me to admit that yeah. out loud. You know what I mean? And it, it, yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and that's always kind of, the hardest thing. It's, to do. Oh my God. It's, and it's really hard and I haven't decided on that yet. And I'm trying to kind of figure out maybe ways of still making it, you know, keeping it around, but I don't know right now is, is, is kind of hard to, to do. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, we did a, a short lived podcast called late to the pod mm -hmm. that, you know, me and my buddy started to oh it was called late to the game of thrones because i at the time i had never watched game of thrones and i'm still only in season two <laughs> um but i uh and like we started it and it was fun to do it first and then it just was like well now like we're literally just hanging out at lunch once a week to do this show and like that's not like it's no longer fun for me to do like this has now become a job yeah. and i don't want to do it anymore yeah. and like i mean it didn't help that like it, we started it while my my uncle was going through his thing and like we we stopped right you know when, when he passed away so like it just it was bad timing maybe mm -hmm. uh and because i could totally see myself saying hey let's do it like at least one episode like let's just go sit down and talk about game of thrones one time um but yeah it's it is you need to you know, I, I mean, I, in the, uh, going into my 10th year, like as I hit my 10 year mark this, this June, I am in double digits of podcasts I have hosted or been part of in some fashion, like at least 14 or 15 podcasts. Yeah. Um, so averaging more than one a year. Uh, and I took like a three or four year break in that 10 year time span. Like I'm not, I, I'm a total farce when I say I've been in it for 10 years. Cause I, you know, there was years that I didn't do it for. So, um, but yeah, if you don't, that's why, again, that's why I love this show because I don't foresee it being a show that I end up hating. Yeah. Um, 
I could see me taking on too many live shows and me saying, okay, now it's starting to feel like work. Right. But, <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, the, the thought process is that maybe we'll bring in some income at some point. So uh, I'm trying not to think about that because, like as I said, that's when things start to go south. So it's all about having fun. Before I let you go, mm-hmm. I do, you know, I do want to know what was it just becoming, um, you know, a, a stay-at-home mom and needing a way to – be creative that brought you to podcasting um sort of yeah i guess the the i was we had just moved away from new york and we and i and i had a 10 month old and we had a and we just bought our first house and i was kind of home in a new town and i didn't know anyone and i was kind of like in this place where i was just like what do i do with myself you know, and um, I did some things in my personal life, but I needed to I needed to have that kind of creative outlet because I wasn't writing anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, the short films, I wasn't mentoring anyone. I wasn't doing anything. Um, so I was I've always listened to podcasts for, you know, you know, since the early 2000s. And I was listening to to you, all the TV kind of recap shows that I that I love to listen to, and I was like, yeah, I could do that. I watch a ton of TV, and I feel like I have a, good opinions about something. Why not? Um, and I and I think I can do that. Um, strangely enough, the part, the show that I started with that popped this live just ended up being um, a pop culture show where we talked about everything. We we talked about sex. We talked about weird shit on the internet. We talked about movies and TV and just our lives. Um, and it, and that kind of, you know, that was the idea. And when I brought it to my sister-in-law, who, who was a friend of mine from high school, from, you know, 10th grade, I was like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to do this with me? You know, we'll get to kind of meet up every week and we just do it and I'll do, I'll do all the work. You just have to show up and be the pretty face. And she's like, sure, why not? And that's kind of, you know, I was, I was pregnant with my second baby at the time, but I just did it. And I wasn't sure how to do it. I read a bunch of stuff. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna gonna learn as I go, and that's kind of how you know how it began. That popped this life was the was the first one, and then I got the bug. Then a couple months later, I was like, I went to my other friend. And I was like, hey, we watch you know Scandal and Grey's Anatomy and all that stuff, and we talk about it. We text back and forth when we're watching it or afterwards. Do you kind of want to do this? in podcast form you just gotta talk about it i'll do all the work you just show up and be the pretty face and she's like sure why not and and that's that's when you get in trouble when you start saying i'll do all the work because then you start doing six podcasts and you're doing all the work and you're gonna yeah yeah, so but that's kind of (laughs) that's kind of where i am right now but no it's still a lot of fun and uh talking shondaland was the uh was the second one that i created with my other good friend Nicole and we talk about all of Shonda Rhimes's TV shows all the shows that she has on the air right now that's what we talk about um and that has been really fun both shows have been really fun but there are a lot of work especially that popped this live because you know I'm reading you know I'm researching everything I'm reading all the articles that whatever we're going to talk about you know then you know I'm, I have to consume the media in order to talk about the media because it's a show where yeah. we consume media and talk about media and we also relate it to our lives and how it's affecting our lives. Um, and it's a super, super fun show, but it's a lot of work. So um, that's it. Um, but the the kind of network idea um, 
I just had those two shows and I was like, hey, I have the website already because it was from my film work, my photographer work back, you know, in the 2000s. Oh, interesting. Now I'm just putting my podcast on it and I had my podcast and I had my my photography, my film work on it. And then um, I met Peter who who holds Postalgic now and we got five on the network, both on the network. And he's just, you know, we had a really good time. I went on his show and I did his show with his with Devin and I kind of had this idea for what ended up being We Got Five. And he was like, hey, I would love to do it if, you know, would you host it on Quartet Bars? And I was like, why not? And that's kind of how the the network just grew or, or just kind of came to be. It wasn't like a conscious decision. It was just kind of like, yeah, sure. You yeah. want to come on the show? Why not? And then we kind of created another show. And then, you know, I met Chris and then he came on and, and it just snowballed from there. Um, and and it's great. I'm having a really, really good time kind of meeting everyone and, and um, putting people on, you know, and not putting people on. That sounds like I'm more than I'm doing more than I actually am. <laughs> but, you know, just kind of um, promoting folks and just kind of building a community, which is what I like. You know, we're a community and we kind of help each yeah. other out and ask each other questions or, you know, share yeah. listeners or whatever the case may be. And hopefully I hope that it'll grow into something more and that's the goal that's the process that i'm in now but i'm only one person and i'm going as fast as i can yeah. you know yeah well yeah and I, I mean there's a reason why like it never works for me because it is because and this is where like all the props to the world because it's you're doing all the podcast work on top of all the yes. network work or vice versa you're doing the network work on top of your podcast work so like there's just so much demand uh, in, in doing it, like it's, it's almost like we're getting to a point in this new media world where like you, you need to have like a dedicated person that's that running the network that isn't necessarily hosting a show. Yes. Uh, or if they are, that's simply what they're doing is they're hosting it. They're not yes, doing tell anything me about else. it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that's like, that's just, uh, unless you're earwolf or like Headgum or smodcast, mm-hmm. like it's not going to like, it's all, Every other podcast network, I would assume, is a lot like Court Temp Arts, where it's just a lot of hard work from the people that are part of it, running it. And no, definitely. And I must so. say that I, I, I do a lot of you know whatever tech work that needs to kind of keep Court Temp Arts going. But working with every the every host, every really awesome host, you included yeah. on the network, it's it's so awesome. Like it's just really really great to have these super talented, really hardworking, really dedicated people um, working, Mm -hmm. you know, working together to kind of make the best out of the situation. Because we're all busy. We all have lives. You know, we all have demanding jobs. We have families that we have to take care of on top of, you know, the the work that we just kind of do for fun. And that has also been really, you know, that kind of fuels me when I'm just kind of like, I don't want to do everything because I'm I'm tired or, you know, or or I'm sick. I just, you know, I just spent like 14 weeks with the flu. It felt like, you know, and I, and I didn't want to get out of bed, but that kind of keeps me going when I'm just like, I kind of have to, because everyone, you know, expects me to, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, well, and it's definitely, you know, grateful as, like, the not having to run the network side of it. Like, it's great. Like, I can say I'm part of a network and not have to do anything. So thank you for taking that sure, burden no for me. Uh, apologies for being the, the, the what drags you down, the weight, the anchor of the network, if you will. And not the anchor in a good way. That's usually a good not term. Everything is awesome. Is no, not at all. Down. I do all the work. Uh, you can just show up and be the pretty face. That's fine with me. <laughs> 
that's hey i'm ready to be the pretty face especially on radio um so all right uh i feel like there's so much more we could talk about like how to get away with murder because that's probably one of the that's the only show from shonda whatever that i I watch um so i feel like we could go more into that but then i want to break my rule of of going to two-parters so uh first and foremost Carly, thank you for thank being you on the show. Thank you for having me. I guess I have to wait until next year to be on the show if you're going to do the whole 52 weeks of different those things. No, no, because I'm already, like, I'm sure there's going to be repeat guests. You know, it's it all depends. So you don't have to wait a year. Okay. But the important thing me. is there are two different top, like, <laughs> technically two different shows. Okay. Because two-parters is cheating the system. <laughs> okay. Uh, in my opinion, I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, go ahead and throw some plugs out for, for everything that you do. I'll sit here for the next 20 minutes. Oh, geez. Well, no. Thank you again for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys want to check out my show, my shows, That Pop This Life and Talking Shondaland, you can check them out on CourtenParts.com along with TV at My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin Friends. We got five and a whole host of other shows. We have We have about 16 shows right now that are all... Very specific, very entertaining, funny, educational, um, and you can find something for you on there, coretemparts.com. But if- and then there's Everything is Awesome, which is none of those things. <laughs> no, Everything is Awesome is awesome. Well, they're listening. They know that already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you want to check me out on Twitter, you can find me uh, at Carly Vision with a K. That's my personal Twitter. Or courtemparts.com, that's, or courtemparts, that's also um, the Twitter for the network. But all the shows on courtemparts.com and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere where you will find podcasts, we're there. All right, great. Uh, and obviously, you know, um, if you're, a, you know, a super fan, a super friend of this show for as long back as we go, uh, then you're obviously a fan of us. We joined Core Temp Arts for a reason. Uh, mainly the philosophy, if I'm being honest, it's just something that I really, uh, I really uh, agree with. It's something that in the last year and a half of doing this show, uh, I realized how close the podcasting community is, and that's something that Carly put together with her podcast network. Thank so. You. Um, again, like, thank you for having me on your network. It's, I am, uh, as, as much as I, I know I'm not the shits, uh, I, I am the shits on, on that network. I, you know, there's so many talented people, uh, and I am just glad to play make pretend of being good with them. Uh, and, um, it's, yeah, go check out all the shows in Core Temp Arts. You know, uh, I've had Chris on the show, you know, let's chat. Um, and, and there's something there for like it's a nice smorgasbord of podcasts. It's not um, like it's just all sports or all talky talky shows. It's 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 a bunch of different stuff that you can you know you can find something that you like there. Yeah. Um, and that's you know and, and then you know you follow everyone in in the the Court Temp Arts group. We all like to sit around and, and chat too. So yeah, that's on Facebook Court Temp Arts podcast. If you want to join us there. All right. So uh, once again, Carly, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Uh, you can find everything is awesome on Twitter at Real Awesome Pod. You can find me on Twitter at That Nerdy Kev. You can find this show on AwesomePodcast.com and CoreTempArts.com, of course. Uh, make sure you check us out. Uh, I don't know who's on our show next week because I'm not a good producer. So uh, <laughs> we'll be back next time right here on AwesomePodcast.com and CoreTempArts.com. We've been awesome. Thank you for listening to the CoreTempArts Podcast Network. To listen to more CoreTempArts shows, visit CoreTempArts.com.